This is Deep Natter. You know, this episode might seem like a bit of a departure, but I don't really think that it is. Sean and I started out talking about the Morning Pages challenge from last week, which led us down a rabbit hole into a larger discussion around science and God and how the search for truth is often really at the core of both of them. I think it was a terrific conversation, and I really hope you enjoy it. Here we go. We can just go, ugh, the French. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the French are lovely. Come on now. Are they? They are. They're Americans. Oh, every time we've been, they've been lovely. I told you the last time I went to France, not the last time, because that was when I saw you guys there, but the time before I went to France, and I, I was in Gardenau, so I'm in the station there in Paris, and I'm, I'm, I need to find where the underground is to get to a particular area, and there were two French station attendants walking the other direction, and I don't speak French, but I thought, make an effort, you know, you, 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 can, you can speak terrible French, right. like, make an effort, so I'm like, uh, uh, pardon, où est le métro, and like... The, the woman literally looked at me and went, ugh, and carried on walking. <laughs> wow. Welcome to France. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying. I, I mean, I know I can't speak French. It's not my fault I don't speak a language. I wasn't born here, but I'm trying. I'm not going like, oh, uh, excuse me, um, where's the, you know what I mean? I'm trying to make an effort right, to, to right. speak or, your or language, doing a, I don't a f- speak. a French accent on, like, uh, well, yeah. is the metro, yeah. like, you're not doing yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. Inspector Cluzo. I'm not doing that. <laughs> Inspector <laughs> Cluzo. <laughs> yeah. Or do it. There was this amazing. Um, there was this amazing show in the UK. I don't know if you it, it got over the pond, but it was uh, called Hello Hello, which was basically like a, a sitcom about like resistance 1940s France. Oh and wow! This, um, it, it was just the funniest thing ever. And there was this like um, British undercover. Um, like uh, agent in this French pub, basically, and he's 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 pretending to be a French policeman, but he has the worst French accent in the world. So every every word is pronounced really really strangely because he's oh, trying no. to pretend he has it but can't do it. Oh no, it's hilarious. Anyone who's watched it will know exactly what I'm talking about. It was so funny. Yeah, but yeah, no, I've I've never had a good uh, I've never had a good experience with um, with the French in general. I think they hear the kind of like more British than anything else accent and they roll their eyes because they haven't forgiven us for Ashencore or something. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so you, soon, so what you're years. saying, they're, they're rude out of spite. Is what, is what yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> they're, they're still harboring a grudge, so that's that's all you get. <laughs> exactly. Oh exactly. my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, I've, I've completed... All of the transition away from WordPress, I've migrated my podcast over to a new host, and man, it feels good. Yeah, I've, 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 uh, well, I've done the same pretty much with my website. It's all up and running. I haven't touched it for a few days. It's great just to have it clean and everything else. It's, it's, it's kind of a weight off, isn't it? It you is. Don't have to think about it anymore. It's just done. Yeah, it is. It's, and yeah. the migration, I, uh, I'm, I went over to Buzzsprout to host the podcast. Mm-hmm. And the migration couldn't have gone smoother. Um, and the customer service has been fantastic. They just, every step of the way has been a really terrific experience. The polar opposite of what happened with Name Hero and trying to do hosting with them, which again, you know, it takes them a month to process a refund, which is 
mind-numbing to me why that is, but there it is. Well, it's, at least it's finished, though. At least it's done. And you've streamlined everything and simplified it down. It's yeah, it's good. How are your uh, morning pages going? Very well. Yeah, very well. In fact, I started a brand new journal. I had this this journal that's just about, I think it's 96 pages. So it'll be perfect for this experiment, right? So this this mm-hmm. this chunk of it. And uh, yeah, it's good. You know, there there are already, what are we, five days in, six days in? And the, the idea with morning pages, and I'm kind of breaking the rules here. The idea is that you're not supposed to go back and look at them. You're supposed to just get it out of your system and let mm-hmm. it be. But I'm, I'm curious and I go back and look at these things to see if I can recognize patterns, to see if I can recognize yeah. things that, that come up again and again. And just to see what's bubbling around in my head, you know, do you, do you do the same or do you leave them alone once you, once you get it out of your head? Do you just not look back at them? Well, uh, let me let you finish because I've, I've got okay. an interesting thing on that. Yeah, okay. go for it. Okay. Well, one of the themes that's already kind of popped up is this idea of of everything, right? I have this, this feed, uh, it's Jeffrey Sidoris, everything, and it's ostensibly everything that I release, but there's an asterisk there uh, because I, I have always thought of, well, not always, but since we started Deep Natter and, and even with, with process driven and iterations, I think of those things as different aspects of the same ongoing conversation, right? Because a lot of the same things come up in, um, in conversations with, with other people on process driven, I don't tend to talk about gear. I tend to talk about or ask about similar things that we kind of wrestle with to see how other people deal with it, wrestle with it, work through it, et cetera. Right. And then iterations is, yeah, go ahead. Can I give a little, so for people listening, just to sort of like, can I give an outsider's thing? Well, I suppose not a total outsider, but like an outsider's thing. Of what you, what <laughs> Who are you, you going to call? With your podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Okay. So what, I, what I'd suggest like, is, is what you do is you've, you've, got, you've got your process driven, which is where you talk to other creatives about their process. And it's like your, your interview platform, but you're asking the questions you're interested in, which aren't, which aren't gear, their process, because that's what you find fascinating. Yes. Deep Nada, which are these conversations, I feel like, where you and I get to have an equal conversation, which is an interview about your process. So you get to talk about who you are and what you're developing. And I do the same backwards and forwards. And then your iterations have been these like really nicely prepared sort of mini essay, uh, eight to 10 minute um, bits of output, which are kind of prepared thoughts around the same stuff, but they all are to do with the creative journey, creative life, creative process. And that's why I think that everything feed works so well for you. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of the thought behind it. But I, I, one of the things that's been coming up in these morning pages is, is what if there's sort of this, this uh, um, multiple meaning of everything? Because it, yes, it's everything in the sense that it's these, these three pieces of the same conversation, but I've thought about expanding and, and you and I have talked about this offline a bit, uh, maybe more than a bit. Um, expanding process driven to go beyond photography and into artists yep. and musicians and writers yep. and, and all of that kind of thing. But what if there's even something beyond that where, and, and I have to thank you again, because you have been so encouraging about making these little sort of audio vignettes and audio documentaries and, and expanding them with music and effects and, and more, more sort of cinematic ambience. Right. Is that fair? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. So I've thought about what if I expand that into other things that just interest me and, 
it has maybe nothing to do with creativity. Maybe it's something else entirely, but it does become everything about everything that I am interested in or that I'm thinking about or that I'm trying to wrestle through. But these are the kind of things that I think would would be interesting because they are just interesting to me and I'm making them from myself. And I don't really think about whether or not an audience would like it. I just want to, can I do the theme justice? Can I do the topic justice in its production? And then mm-hmm. send that out there and see, and see what the reaction is to it. I, I, yeah. I think that would be really interesting. And it keeps coming up the last few days anyway in my morning pages uh, in one mm-hmm. form or another. And I just kind of wanted to, to, to get a, a bead from you. I think I know what you'd say, but, you know, what do you think? I think anytime something keeps coming up, there's, there's something to either, either face or share, isn't there? Mm-hmm. If, if it keeps recurring, it needs, it needs your attention or there's something in it for you. Uh, that's what those morning pages are great for, is looking yeah. for the patterns as well. And I, I do do the same as you. I do go back and look. So, so interestingly, in my case... I went back and found the journal that I, I was doing morning pages in last, mm. uh, which was uh, 2018, 2018 or 2019, I forget. And I think it's 2018. In October 2018 was the last time I did morning pages. And I found that one and I, I left a page in between and I just started from there. But before I did that, I went back and read the last three entries, which was really interesting to see where I was then and where I am now as well. Did it Quite seem familiar to you or when you read them back, were you surprised that that's what you were thinking about then? Um, no, I, I mean, I, I was, I remember exactly where I was. It all came flooding back. In fact, the last entries were written on a trip I'd taken to, um, it would have been end of 2019, October, 2019. I'd just taken a trip to Amsterdam and then to Hamburg to speak at a Rico GR event. Mm, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and basically, I mean, one of the days I'm sitting, I'm describing the room I'm in as well. I do that a lot in morning pages to just describe where I am. So I was in like some big um, wood paneled uh, cafe in the, in the Amsterdam train station for one. And then I was in a hotel room in Hamburg in another one. And just remembering the things that were going through my head at the time, yeah, it all comes flooding back immediately. And it's interesting how um, everything has changed since then. You know, I'm talking about um, job and creative output and relationships and where I live. And all of those things have changed now. But Wow, that's right. That's right. Everything's changed. Like it's a totally different life where I am now. But what was encouraging was is all all the things I care about, I still care about. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I haven't really shifted in terms of what I want to accomplish or who I, who I want to be in the world or the things that I think are important, they're all still there. It's just an entirely different context from scratch. And that's, uh, that's kind of cool in a way, isn't it? Cause it's kind of encouraging that, that, I mean, the, the thought I had was, uh, there, there, there is a chance that, you know, if, if I wasn't in a good place or, or if, if I'd taken things that happened to me worse than I did, that I could have just given up on a lot of things or thought that it wasn't worth it or, or, or just settled for less 
in my life. You know what I mean? I think I've been in places like that in my life where I've just been, it's not worth it, you know? But none of that fire's gone out, I realize, which is great. Like that was that was a really encouraging moment was, oh, good. Like all this stuff burns in me as hotly. I really, I really want these things for my life. Now, maybe now more than ever, mm-hmm. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up on on having a really um, fulfilling, brave, creative output where, where I'm saying things that I want to say. In fact, I'm moving closer and closer to that all the time. I hadn't let it go, even though it was a struggle. Yeah. You know, I, I still want relationships in my life that are are supportive and caring and loving. I'm still fighting for that. That's stuff I really, really care about. I'm not letting it go. It doesn't matter what's happened. I, I'm not letting go of that ideal. You know, I'm all those things I care about as much and I haven't given up on any of them. And, mm. and I, I had a moment of like being a little bit grateful about, oh yeah, that's not a given. You know, that's not, some people do go through difficult stuff and they, they do just, they go, I don't have the energy for this anymore. I'm just going to yeah. settle. And yeah. I'm grateful I didn't do that. You know, that, that feels, that feels like a little victory. And I suppose having the comparison between writing stuff now and three years ago, um, shows me that I'm still, I'm still the same. I still want the same stuff and I haven't given up, Yeah, which feels good. Oh, I love that for you. I mean, you're right. Yeah. It, it, you changed a lot of things about your life in a very short amount of time and it would have been easy. And, and I don't think anybody would have faulted you for pulling back or changing the scope of what you thought you needed, wanted, or deserved, but you, you didn't waver. And I'm, I'm so happy that you can see that and that you can, that you can still say, I want these things in my life and I still deserve these things in my life. Yeah. I mean, after reading those pages, those last pages and then writing the day, the first day's pages, I was like, oh, I'm kind of writing the same stuff. Hmm. You know? Like I'm kind of saying the same things. Yes. It's a new context and, and the details are definitely different now, but underneath it all is the same, is the same direction. I'm still convinced of where I need to go in the long run. And that hasn't gone anywhere. Like it's so, it's hard to talk about because I think maybe, maybe 15 years ago, I would have talked about it in spiritual terms and Hmm. talked about things like, I believe God has a direction for my life. You know, I don't talk like that anymore because I don't necessarily believe that's how things work. Um, But I still do believe in purpose. And I still do believe in, in, in not, not that you were born onto this planet to do a thing and you're a special little flower and you know, you're, you're basically going to go and, you know, wait, what the world because no, no, well you are, but I mean, I'm just saying for me, I can't talk for anyone. You, you, you can't um, saddle a unicorn, Sean. We've talked about uh, it. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, but I, st- some version of that, I still do believe, I still do believe we're born with a particular personality and a mm-hmm. particular, a particular set of skills, you know, and a particular, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, like a particular way of seeing the world and, and a particular list of things that we really care about. We're uniquely constructed. However, however we we come out in terms of like how we're born and genetics, but also the the stories that we live and how they shape us and how that we see the world so that we're, we're, we're a fairly unique mix of, of human being when, by the time we get to sort of the middle years of our life. And I, I think, I think that that is an opportunity to make a difference in the world with that mix in, in your own unique way with its own flavor. 
and I, and whatever that is, whatever whatever it means that I've I've been through the things I've been through, and I am where I am now, and I am this human being who who has this personality, you know, type one, two wing on the Enneagram, mm-hmm. you know, um, whatever whatever that mix happens, INFJ on the Myers Briggs, whatever that that mix with the things that I care about with my history that has a responsibility that attached to it to say what how could i put things out into the world with that flavor that would make a difference for other people or that would would help other people in some way or bring comfort to people in some way and that i feel like is my purpose and and i'm still looking for that now as much as i ever was and these morning pages kind of prove that and i'm really glad i'm really right. glad that's right. the case you know do you do you think yeah. that that time with the church do you think you'd be in the same place had that not happened? Had you not gone from uh, attendee or participant to sort of leader in that respect? Do you, do you think because of your personality and because of the way you think and process and see the world that you would be in roughly the same spot? Or, or was there some sort of catalyst there in the church that helped you or awakened you or, or maybe nudged you gently to, to help get you where you are now? It, it was a really important piece mm. either way. Like there's no ways I can't be very, very grateful for my time with the church, even though it was complicated and didn't end well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was really, really important for me because it's, it, it opened me up to, to spirituality in general, which I still hold on to and explore as much as I ever did, maybe more, just more broadly than I used to. Mm. Um, you know, my, my faith might still on paper look most like Christianity. Um, and that still informs a lot of different things. It still shapes how I see the world in some ways. It's just not dogmatic or, or literal um, in the way that it used to be. Um, and what church definitely gave me more than anything else is, is it, I suppose, that the habit of introspection is what it gave me. Mm. Um, in that you were really encouraged to to look at yourself as honestly as you could and tweak the bad stuff and make it better and, 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 and keep being as honest with yourself as you could be about trying to become a better person. That was really encouraged. And things like quiet times. I mean, uh, talk about morning pages. Like I used to have quiet times every single day is what they used to call them, where I used to journal every single day. And I did that for a decade plus. Wow. And that starting, starting when was this boarding school or when did this start? Yeah. It would yeah. have been from, Probably from about 16, 17 years wow. old. Wow. Through, through until I was probably 28, 29 when I left the church. I, I journaled almost every single day for that whole time. And Do any of that, those exist anymore or were they lost in the fire? They were in the fire, unfortunately. Yeah, there was a big, big box of them all. But it doesn't matter. This is the thing is it actually doesn't matter. I mean, they, they would be fun to go back and look through, but it did its good work, that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know? Because the point isn't really what I wrote down. The point is the habit of of paying attention to myself and the things I liked and didn't like and the things I wanted to change. Because the journaling, and I think this is what the morning pages does, it doesn't matter. This is why she says, you know, don't go back and read it because it doesn't matter what you wrote. What The content of what you put down might be superficially interesting to you later down the road, but actually it's it's getting the practice of externalizing thoughts, objectifying them, putting them outside of yourself, and having a look at them and, and making decisions about them and then moving on. That's mm. the practice to get mm-hmm, into. And that's mm-hmm. what this practice does for you. And what you wrote down is actually not important, but getting into that habit of doing that is. 
So I, I think that's one of the biggest things that church gave me. Yeah. Where, where do you sit with it? I'm interested now because you said sort of you had this, I mean, don't go here if you don't want to, obviously, but like, I'm, I'm just interested. Like you had this experience with sort of church early on, but then coming out of that and sort of finding what sounds like a version of spirituality with, with the universe and science and the rest of it as well. Where do you kind of. I think there's room for stuff? both. I really do. Yeah. Um, do, yeah. The idea of a, I struggle with the idea of a, of a God that is personally involved in your life and has a personal interest in whether your life goes one way or another. Because if, mm-hmm. in, in the way I see it, and, and I'm sure someone's going to, you know, maybe write in and, and offer their opinion, and I welcome <laughs> it. I welcome it. Um, you know, the idea of, of uh, let's, let's break it down simply, the idea of two football teams, uh, each praying before the game, you know, <laughs> yeah. one victorious means that God chose them and didn't, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. You know, and when the idea yeah. like not a sparrow falls that God doesn't see, well, okay, but the sparrow falls anyway. Yeah. So I, I tend to be able to reconcile the idea of, of, uh, God as the clockmaker, right? Yeah. Uh, sets up the rules, uh, establishes all the parameters, winds it up and then goes, okay, job done. Off mm-hmm. you go. Let's, let's see where you go. Um, because in, in the way I understand it, and again, this is, this is only my understanding. There are areas where science breaks down and, and can't go any further. Mm-hmm. There are areas where religion breaks down and can't go any further. Mm-hmm. And I, I am open to the mystery of it all. I like that. And, you know, when we were in Paris the first time, uh, we were lucky enough to be there getting close to Christmas time. And, and we were walking past Notre Dame and they were putting out the, uh, the decorations for Christmas, putting up the trees and the lights and everything. And there was a, a line to get in. And, and we mistakenly thought that was a line for the tour because there's a tour you could go in and I don't know how it works now because it's still under construction and all that, but at the time you could go in. So we, we got in line and, and went in and it wasn't a line for the tour at all. It was, it was the line to get into mass. And mm. we were fortunate enough to attend mass at Notre Dame. And it was one of the most moving experiences of my life. Mm. And I love the idea of something greater than me. I love the idea of being, uh, of having a sort of reverence for something greater than me, whether that's the mechanics of the universe, whether that's God, whether those things are one and the same, Mm -hmm. I don't really care. I really don't. Um, I just, I am humbled before the wonder of it all. And, and I felt that in, in, in such a major way at that mass. I mean, you're in this beautiful cathedral. I mean, this is, this is ostensibly why the cathedrals were designed, right? To, to humble you before God. Yep. And man, it worked. And I just, I mean, I'm just sobbing at this thing. And I, I have no Mm. idea what this person's saying, but there I am experiencing this. And part of it was a, was a callback to childhood, was experiencing that ritual, those, that, that sort of reverence. Um, And you and I have talked about the whole evangelical movement where it's, it's from dogma, right? It's buddy Christ. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at him. You know? <laughs> uh, 
I don't, I don't want to go have a beer with the creator of heaven and earth. I, I want there to be some separation. I want there to be yeah. some, some, a difference between us, I guess. Yeah. It was one of my gripes with the church when I worked for it. It's like so much of the worship music that was written, the contemporary stuff was like, Jesus is my boyfriend stuff. You know? It's like, I don't, it's, not, it's not, it's not what I'm looking for, man. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's really strange. And, and I kind of hope that I never feel solid enough to have an answer because if I have an answer, I'm going to stop looking. And it's the looking that I really enjoy. It's the, it's the talking to people who have differing beliefs than I do and, and listening and learning from them. And, and maybe I don't agree at first, or maybe I don't agree at all, but man, nobody really knows, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, every, every, at some point, everybody's guessing. I mean, you either have faith in, in, in your, your belief system, or you have faith in science, or you have some combination of both. Did you see um, Ricky Gervais talking to Stephen Colbert about- yeah, I've watched it today. That's so funny that you say that. It, yeah. what, a, what a terrific exchange. What a terrific, respectful exchange. Yes. Yeah. You know, where, where basically Ricky Gervais says, look, you, you believe in one God, right? And, and Stephen Colbert is like, well, you know, in, in three parts, but yes, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, and he said, okay, so there, there are basically 3000 gods that are, that are sort of in the world today. He's like, I just, and, and you just believe in yours. I just believe in one less than you do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) <laughs> the other one in that that's brilliant that he says is basically Stephen's talking about the Bible and how he he takes the Bible and, and Ricky's saying, yeah, but, you know, I take science. And he's like, yeah, but you just believe you take on faith that Stephen Hawkins is right as well. Right. Like I take right. on faith that the Bible. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you if you destroy the Bible and you destroy all science books in the world in a thousand years, that by that any spiritual text will be nothing like the Bible. It'd be totally different. But all those science books will be back exactly as they are because the scientific test will be done again with the same answers. That's yeah. the difference. Which and I then Stephen's like, brilliant. good point, yeah. good point. You know, exactly. I mean, there was, there was yeah. no, there no, was no, no anger so, yeah, or argument. I love that. And, and yeah. that is, I think that's where I want to be. And it's where I try to be because I, I don't know. And my views and my opinions and, and my beliefs and, and faith for lack of a better word has, changed and been challenged uh over the years um yeah so now i've i've completely forgotten what the first question was i'm sorry no no but i love that i mean that's that's kind of like i i had a big moment when i left the church because i didn't realize how controlling it had been for me Hmm. in that like we were we were not encouraged. We were almost bullied into never reading anything outside of the fundamentalist doctrine, especially with the Baptist Church. This is what we believe. Don't read any other stuff. Don't even read any other Christian material outside of the denomination because we have very specific ideas. Um, and just coming out of the church and having it took me a while. It took me it took me a good six months to not feel guilty for right. reading whatever I wanted to read. But the minute that took hold, I was like, wow, I can read absolutely anything I want. I can find, I can find truth wherever I think it might be, and I can go there. And, and suddenly the world will open up. There's this guy, um, uh, 
I can't remember if Richard Raw said it, take a shot if you're playing the drinking game. Um, or, or, uh, or a guy named Rob Bell, who is a, a pastor in the States as well. Um, but w- one of them said basically, all truth is God's truth. Hmm. Which, which was basically like, if you find something that's true anywhere, if you find it in science, if you find it in another religion, it's all the same. It's all, it's all true because it's true. You don't have to pick and choose and sit, and sit in a very specific corner and pretend the rest of the world is delusional. You can go out and seek truth wherever you want to find it. Because yeah, yeah. I, I feel like an honest pursuit of truth, wherever you find it, is an honest pursuit of God. If you believe God is truth, surely that's how it works. And I mean, the minute that took hold, I was like, it just like felt like I could breathe finally. Like I don't yeah. have to answer for the fact that I found this, this amazing truth in, yeah. in Sufi Muslim mysticism. I don't, I yeah. don't have to yeah. answer for that because it's true and it's amazing. Well, and it, un, it unshackles you from, from the, uh, the privilege of geography. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you were born you know, somewhere else. I mean, you may be a Muslim, you may, you know, follow Shinto, you may, you know, yeah. you may be a Buddhist. You may, the idea that, that there is only one truth and it happens to be in your zip code, I just couldn't, I couldn't wrestle. Like that was, I couldn't get my, my head around that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's very few clergy that are willing to answer that honestly, but I have heard a few, I, I, like, um, another shot. I have heard Richard Raw in an interview, like in a Q&A <laughs> in a talk, someone stood up after him and said, hey, if you were born in the Middle East, do you think you would have been a Muslim? And he said, absolutely. Of course I would. Yeah. Happily. Yeah. He doesn't need to protect his patch and go, no, 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 I'd only be this. He's like, no, of course not. I, I'm, I'm someone who seeks truth. If that was the context I'd in, I'd be going like, you know, hell for leather down that road because I, I want truth. I want to know what more there is. I, I want to find out as much as I can with this one life I have. And whatever channel is given to me, I'm taking it, you know, and I, I love that. Who was the first person for you, the first voice outside of the church that felt like it made it okay to pursue some of the things that you were, you were thinking about and some of the questions that ultimately kind of got you ousted? Was, was, there, was there someone that kind of personified that for you or that, that encouraged you in that way? Yeah, that, well, there was a person and a book. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the person was someone I talk about in my book, actually, a guy named Vic, mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. was one of my lecturers at seminary, who was, who was bringing in Jewish rabbis to teach mm-hmm. us in a, in a Baptist seminary, he's sneaking them in the back door because right. he's like, these guys have got brilliant stuff to say, you've got to hear this stuff. And people like him were eventually fired and moved on from the seminary for doing things like that. But like, thank goodness, because he taught me early on, like there is truth to be found outside of these walls and you need to go look for it. Um, he was one of those. And then the book, interestingly, was a book by a guy named Brian McLaren. He's an author of mm, the States. Sure. Yeah, yeah, sure. You know Brian McLaren? Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he wrote a book years ago. And this is one of those books, among many others, that started to unravel things for me when it came to church. And he wrote a book called A Generous Orthodoxy. Yep. It's funny. I've just been over to um, a local priest's house this morning here where I live um, to have tea with the vicar because that's what you do in this country. You have sure you do. Yeah, sure you do. And we were, we were talking about this this morning because she was saying that, uh, and this is kind of in the same vein, she was saying she, she takes care of five churches in this area because no one's training for the clergy. She has to look after five churches on her own. It's mad. Um, but she says one of the most attended things, events that she has, are not the Sunday services where they go through the liturgy, but are a Saturday afternoon community gardening session that they have in one of the villages. And she's like, they don't want to come to services. It's not interesting to them. But 
gardening for them is a spiritual experience and I'm, I'm there for it. I love it. Like that's, that's what I want to, I, I want to do for them then. I want to, I want to facilitate that. And I'm like, that's meeting people where they're at, you know, yeah. not trying yeah. to bully them into, well, now you have to come to Sunday services and now you have to tithe and give us money. And now you have to say this creed and become a church member and get baptized. She's not trying to do any of that. She's happy that they're, engaging in whatever way works for them and that's brilliant and we were talking about this book a generous orthodoxy because what brian mclaren does is he basically scans across all the denominations and says instead of saying we're right they're wrong why not say what do they know that i don't and they can teach me and he basically goes through the whole gamut from from you know very liberal to very conservative from kind of um, you know, charismatic to very uh, like liturgical stuff. What do they have? And and reading that book made me realize, wow, I'm doing one very, very specific thing. But actually these people are also doing specific things and all of them have stuff to teach me. So maybe I need to have a more generous orthodoxy, which then expanded, you know, infinitely when I actually left the church and could then take that approach with a thousand different spiritualities around the world and psychology and philosophy and everything else, because it all needs to get brought into the stable. You know, I, yeah, that, yeah. that was, that was a influential book for me. Yeah. I was given that book along with N.T. Wright and Blue Like Jazz. I think, uh, I think uh, N.T. Wright, Blue the book like was jazz. Paul. Oh um, yes. Yeah. It's a big one for him. Yeah. Yeah. For Durham. But all, all three of those books at the same time, my friend Doug gave them to me and was like, read this, read, read these, then we'll talk. <laughs> yeah yeah blue light jazz was another one of those for me it was great that, yeah. was, a, that was a really a really good book written by an like, amazing author in his what his early 20s when he wrote that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but like brilliantly written book yeah the whole where he set up the confessional and on campus yeah. and was apologizing yeah, yeah. on behalf of the church <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a terrific it, book if you i mean you it's you don't have to belong to a, a particular denomination yeah. to enjoy it. I think it's just a, it's a terrific book regardless. Blue, Blue Light Jazz, Donald Miller. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you're looking, searching it online. Yeah, really good. Yeah, those were, those were definitely the ones for me. And I, I'm so grateful. You know, I'm grateful for, because it cost all of those people a lot. Uh, it cost my lecturer his job. Um, it cost, it cost Brian McLaren his position in the church that, 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 he was a part of, especially part of the evangelical church. They asked him and called him a heretic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's cost, it's cost Rob Bell his entire career. It's cost these people who, who, who um, move to the fringes on purpose because they want to be able to be more honest and lead people out or, or lead people into more rather than the tight little corner they're stuck in where they're kind of kept there. Yeah, I think that's a better way to put it than leave people out because it's, it, yeah. it, it's not that they're leaving it's not that they they want to leave what you've already kind of believed in behind. They're just, I think, opening a door and showing you that there's more to it. Yeah. There's more to it. There's more nuance to it. And, and there's something that's, there are some things that have been willfully withheld. Is that fair? Absolutely. Well, yeah. willfully withheld. I mean, there's that great Freud quote, which says, I mean, this is like what, early 1900s, he's saying this, but he said, basically, the church trains its young people to only ask the questions it can answer. Mm. You know, it's, it's like a deep seated, almost, it's almost mind control. Like you, 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 you feel pressure when you start asking the wrong questions to not ask those questions and to keep quiet. Right. Um, and these people say, no, 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 any questions. Okay. And any honest search for truth is, is right. And they, and they, and they definitely lose 
a lot and you're about to get very drunk because Richard Raw says <laughs> that he... Oh, <laughs> I'm running out of whiskey, Sean. Come on. Yeah, sorry, man. He's got, this, he's got this thing. He's like, I'm happy to be on the edge of the inside. Mm-hmm. Which is, I don't have to be in the middle. I don't have to be accepted by this thing. Yes, yes. And this is how I feel now. Yes, broadly and very broadly speaking, Christianity is probably still my spiritual tradition. But I'm on the very edge of the inside. Like I'm not, I'm definitely not part of the structure anymore. I don't toe the line when it comes to a lot of the dogma. But I I feel like that's kind of the birthplace of all this stuff for me. It's the story that I've been brought up on. So it's definitely my tradition. But I've definitely stepped outside as well to check everything else out. And I'm bringing in a load of other stuff that I'm learning too. And it's no longer a competition. I'm Mm -hmm. not threatened by any of it. I just want to fold it all in. Well, and it feels like... we, we've talked about enough things over the past several years. You, you have you have been a question everything person from very early on. Is that fair? A pain in the ass. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I was being kind. <laughs> yeah, 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 but I'll say it. <laughs> ask, ask people who, who worked in churches with me. It's been, I used to be way worse than I am as well. But it sounds like even before then, even even in, in school, yeah, 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 yeah. There, there was a tugging at you to ask, the unpopular questions. Well, I just, I think I always had a, and I think you've got this, it's what makes you a good interviewer. I just had this, like, I'm not going to take the pat answer. You're, you're not going to put me off by just, by just feeding me something. If I can tell you don't really believe it, and I mm. definitely don't, I'm not just going to go, well, I'm not a peacemaker. I'm not like, well, you know, just don't challenge it. It's fine. It probably doesn't matter. I, I will ask every time. Really? Are you serious? Yeah. When have you, you ever you said it doesn't really matter? Yeah, because I can't. I can't. That's that's again. It's it comes back to that morning pages thing of like, well, that's that's my personality. That's how I'm wired. You know, that's that that's that being that type one on the enneagram. Being finding out what's true is really really important to me, and I don't mind it being slightly uncomfortable when I go. Are you serious? Do you really mean that? You know, I don't mind that because I'd rather really know what's going on than just keep the peace. And I've always been that way. Well, and it's, it's one of the reasons that you, it's one of the things I enjoy most about our friendship. And it's one of the reasons you are such a terrific friend is because that, that extends into your relationships with other people. You don't, you don't ask anything of yourself that you don't ask of other people. No, I mean, that doesn't make it acceptable to some people. It's still, it's still too much for some people to take. Um, I mean, I have lost relationships over that, you know? Where people are like, well, no, just just stop asking. Stop. Why is this important? But, but it is. You know, it is like, like being able to be honest is more important to me than keeping the peace with anybody. I, I don't have friends in my life who I can't have honest conversations with. If I have a friend who the only thing we can talk about is the weather because there's an elephant in the room, but we can't talk about it, we won't be friends anymore because I have to talk about the elephant so we can get over that. And we can get back to having nothing between us, nothing under the rug, nothing sort of behind the scenes in the closet. Like I want to have everything said so we can just enjoy being around each other. Otherwise, it doesn't work for me. It just, it, it, I feel like we're lying. It, it's been, you know, it's been in every relationship. It's been in friendships, romantic relationships, even with my family. Like I, I have to be able to talk about the thing. And I, I, I guess this is where personalities are funny, aren't they? Because you see your way of seeing the world and are confused why everyone else doesn't see it the same way. That's been a learning curve. Like not everyone else has the same priorities as you. You That's important to me, but it's not important to everybody else. So I've had to temper it a lot. Um, in my 20s, I was probably quite annoying. 
but it is still important. Like it's still important to kind of have the air clear as much as possible and to, and to speak the truth, you know, say the uncomfortable thing, if it's true as kindly as you possibly can, there's no excuse for unkindness, but tell the truth. If you've got questions or comments about the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can send an email or if you're comfortable, send a voice message to deepnatter at gmail.com. Subscribe in your favorite podcast app and support the show by leaving a review or a rating wherever you listen or by sharing the episode on social media. You can help support the show more directly by tapping the donate button at jeffreysadoris.com. That's J-E-F-F-E-R-Y-S-A-D-D-O-R-I-S.com. Connect with Sean on Twitter and Instagram at Sean Tuck. That's S-E-A-N-T-U-C-K. On his website at seantucker.photography or by searching for Sean Tucker on YouTube. Connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at Jeffrey Sidoris. And as always, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate you being here. We appreciate your attention. And we hope you'll come back for the next one. What's great about Skype is it doesn't mess up consistently. It's very creative in how it messes up in different ways every time. You think they'd run out of ways to do it, but no, no. No, you, it, Skype is like a box of chocolates. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> Thanks, Tom Hanks. <laughs>